0: A special thanks goes out to the folks at Anchor.fm for bringing you this podcast. Coming to you almost live, it's time once again for Tom Reads Your Story, the podcast that reads from your social media posts, online articles, and sometimes a surprise or two. So let's start the show. I'm your host, voice actor and podcaster, Tom Zania. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tom Reads Your Story. I'm Tom Zania. Thanks for showing up today. Today, we are going to listen to a very interesting and maybe a little... Disturbing audiobook that I did some time ago. And I'll be back to tell you more about it right after this. Hi, I'm Tom Zania. Thanks for joining me for the spoken word podcast, Tom Reads Your Story. I'm just taking a short break to tell you about the professional voiceover services I have to offer. If you are looking for someone to voice your audiobooks, YouTube videos, commercial or IVR projects, I hope you'll take a few minutes after the podcast to check out my website for more information. Just visit www.tomzvoices.weebly.com. I can answer any questions you may have. And now, back to the podcast. are back. Tom Zania with you once again. And Tom reads your story. I want to thank you for showing up again if if you have been with us before uh, in the past. Maybe you listen uh, once a month, two or three times a month, I don't know. But if this is your first time, welcome. Give it a shot. That's you know what it's 20 minutes to a half hour out of your life okay and seriously i think you're going to enjoy this this is a spoken word podcast this is about me reading stuff to you that's it that's what it is you know if you you can take away something from it if your life is somehow better After you listen, great. If it's not, fine. And maybe if it's not, you'll still want to listen. Listen to Tom read your story. I'm on every week, usually on Wednesday. It depends on how busy I get and, you know, all that stuff. So, anyway, I want to tell you something. This this is the thing. I've used dating sites in the past. All right. I'm single. I'm 63. I know that sounds just really tragic, but um, I've used dating sites in the past, like many of you have, or at least a few of you have uh, used dating sites in your uh, past, maybe distant past. Uh, Dating sites, of course, are for dating, obviously, for getting to, to meet, uh, that special person in your life, uh, and hopefully the computer age, uh, has made that easier. I don't know. Maybe it's made it more difficult. I think a lot of you will say, oh no, no, it's now it's very hard. You know, it used to be, I was introduced to this person from a friend or a relative. Now we're all on the online and it's, you know, the whole world, you know, having to sift through pictures and names from here to Timbuktu. And so maybe dating sites aren't such a good idea for some people. Anyway, I've used them and a long time ago, and, and not real long, maybe, I don't know, five years ago. I did one of my first audiobooks for a terrific writer, uh, a very good writer by the name of John Isaac Jones. And I may have talked a little bit, a bit about John in the past. John Isaac Jones is a novelist, a person who writes novellas, a person who has a lot of newspaper work in his background, having worked with several of them in his past and his, I guess, humble beginnings. And um, he lives he lives near Cape Canaveral, actually, in, uh, in Florida. He is a southerner. He has had me do a good handful of his short stories or novellas, and he always wants me to use that kind of talk, like slow Southern drawl, is, uh, you know the way he. That's what he wants, and that's what I gave him, and that's fine. Uh, his uh, stories lend themselves to that, but this is a story of a man. Uh, His name is Dr. Wingate, who's a computer genius and who develops software. And he uh, becomes a widower and he uh, gets into the online dating scene. And that's all I'm going to say about this book. I'm going to play the first two chapters today. And chapter three, four, and five will be played next week. So let's begin. Lonely Magnolia. Chapter one Dr. Wingate. Within the world's computing community, Dr. Carl Wingate was known as a genius. A native of South Georgia, he had grown up on a thousand-acre cotton farm near Valdosta, and in 1975, at age 15, he had built his first computer from components he had ordered out of a magazine. Once the teenager had assembled the components—two floppy drives, a crude motherboard, and a primitive keyboard and mouse— he used a television as a makeshift monitor and started to write software. In less than a year— He had written two pieces of crude word processing software, by today's standards, a very primitive database program. Six months later, he sent a letter to the company that manufactured the components and explained he had written a new operating system for the computer, which was not only more efficient, but faster than the current one. Two months later, the company said they wanted to buy his new operating system, and sent him a check for $2,500. After graduating high school, young Carl enrolled at the Georgia Data Processing Institute in Atlanta to study computing. From the very first day, he took the university by storm. In the college computer labs, he began research to determine optimal combinations for matching central processing unit speeds and addressable memory. During his third year, He wrote a white paper on the subject, Wingate's Theory 1, which was hailed around the world as a major breakthrough in computing technology. The following year, his theories were expanded in another white paper, Wingate's Theory 2, and shortly afterward, its precepts were adopted by hardware manufacturers throughout the industry. Upon graduation... He founded Wingate Solutions, a hardware manufacturing firm near Atlanta, which became a major player in the computing industry in only two years. After the third year, however, Dr. Wingate felt he should change direction. While he loved hardware, he felt software was a vaster, more extensive endeavor than its counterpart. Hardware was cold and inanimate, he felt, whereas software like language literacy, was an infinite world to be explored in all of its various multifaceted ramifications. Essentially, he saw the study of computer software as an extension of human action. Anything human beings could do with their hands or their minds could be done with software, he felt. So, the following year, he retooled Wingate Solutions to become a software manufacturing firm. In only a few months, hundreds of programs, word processing, spreadsheets, databases, and operating systems, the main program that controls all other applications, were pouring out of the company. Over the next 10 years, Wingate Solutions became the premier software manufacturer in the world. And in 1992, the company's brochure bragged, There is no computer on Earth that doesn't have a Wingate program on its hard drive. Over the succeeding years, Dr. Wingate's honors and accolades were the stuff of legend. Twice, the World Digital Council, the WDC, awarded him the World's Top Computer Scientist Award. Four separate times, he was the keynote speaker at the WDC's annual banquet in Vienna. His white papers were collected and archived at WDC's World Headquarters in Vienna, and early models of the crude computers he had built were placed in computer museums in New York, Brussels, Sydney, and Tokyo. In 2009, he was awarded an honorary doctorate by the Georgia Data Processing Institute. Finally, in 2014, WGS presented Dr. Wingate its Lifetime Achievement Award for Contributions to the digital world which far exceeded that of his peers. By late 2015, everybody who was anybody in the computing industry knew who Dr. Carl Wingate was and held him in the highest regard. Now, in 2016, Dr. Wingate was a multimillionaire, a world renowned celebrity, and at age 56, ready to retire. He told friends he wanted to steal away to his beach home in Daytona Beach, Florida, and enjoy his golden years at the beach, tending his roses and doing the occasional consulting job. First, however, he wanted to find himself a new wife. Unfortunately, his first wife, Marjorie, mother of his daughter, Becky, had died in the fall of 2010 of breast cancer. Her sickness had been a long, drawn-out affair, and, From the day she was diagnosed, it was three more years before she passed. It had been a very trying experience for Dr. Wingate, but he now felt he was ready for a new mate. At first, his efforts to meet a new wife focused on dating family acquaintances and friends. Colleagues would invite him to dinner with sisters, secretaries, and professional associates, hoping to strike a spark. His daughter Becky had arranged dates between her father and fellow teachers at the high school where she worked, as well as members of the local women's club where she was a member. But out of all those, Dr. Wingate was unable to find anyone who struck his fancy. At one point, he asked the hygienist at his dental office to go out with him, and she accepted. On the date, however, he was bored silly. All she wanted to talk about were crowns, porcelain veneers, and artificial implants. Finally, during a WDC conference in Brussels, Dr. Lars Hansen, president of Omega Digital Forum in Stockholm, told Dr. Wingate he should try online dating. Noting that the previous year he had found a wonderful wife for his own life, he told Dr. Wingate the advantages of online dating— far exceeded the trial-and-error tactics of conventional dating. Online dating was not only more efficient, but a suitor could explore a much larger field of candidates in a much shorter time. Best of all, he noted, women come to you. You don't have to go to them. After all, Dr. Hansen explained, for one of the world's most renowned computer scientists, online dating should be a natural. Dr. Wingate was very excited. As a younger man before online dating was going full speed ahead in the mid-90s, he and his team at Wingate Solutions had written numerous programs for dating websites. Basically, these involved gathering generic information about a candidate, entering it into a database, then cross-referencing this information with other candidates to find a match. The entire exercise had been fun and Dr. Wingate's company had made millions from the software. Chapter 2 Lonely Magnolia So in early 2016, Dr. Wingate decided to take the plunge into online dating. In his online searches, He quickly discovered there were websites that offered women of virtually every imaginable race, nationality, or ethnicity he could imagine. Names of the websites included Asian Cupid, Latin Love, Chocolate Romance, Sexy Seniors, Russian Romance, and the list went on and on. Dr. Wingate, being the native Southerner he was, knew he wanted a Southern woman. Thus, he refined his search to dating sites that featured primarily women in the southern United States. Finally, after numerous searches, he decided on a site called Southern Singles, based in Miami, which claimed to have the largest database of beautiful southern women in the USA. As he scrolled through the listings of candidates featured on the introductory pages, he saw page after page of beautiful middle-aged southern women. Satisfied this was the avenue he wanted to pursue, Dr. Wingate pulled out his credit card, paid the $69 six-month fee, signing on for the site's Platinum Plan. Once he was officially a member, he set about creating a profile. He dubbed his profile Computer Pro, then began to answer the multitude of required questions. There were questions about age, profession, likes and dislikes, marital status, hobbies, children, pets, and similar such inquiries a prospective mate could be interested in knowing. There were miscellaneous questions such as favorite color, pet's name, and zodiac sign. He listed his hobbies as reading, growing roses and tomatoes, and repairing personal computers. Finally, after his profile was created, he uploaded a photo to the site. It was a picture made five years earlier at a computer conference in Nashville, in which he was a bit tipsy, but he felt no one would actually notice or care. Finally, he came down to the nub of the project, describing his ideal woman. From the first, he had a clear idea as to the look and personality traits he was seeking in a potential spouse. First, He jotted down notes, then thoughtfully wrote them out. Finally, satisfied he had sufficiently described the woman of his dreams, he copied and pasted the text into his profile's Ideal Woman field. It read, "'I am a professional computer consultant seeking a Southern woman, aged 40 to 50, who is intelligent, thin, has a sense of humor, and loves to cook Southern food. No smokers, please.' "'An interest in gardening is a definite plus.' As he reread the statement, he pursed his lips in satisfaction. Finally, feeling he had sufficiently cast his bread upon the waters, he decided to wait. That afternoon, he was going deep-sea fishing with friends, and that night he had dinner plans with his daughter and her husband at a restaurant in Daytona Beach.' so he decided to leave his search for a new mate until the following day. The following morning, as soon as Dr. Wingate was out of bed and had coffee, he sat down and fired up his computer. Immediately he went to the Southern Singles website to check his mail. There were nine replies. Of the nine, he knew immediately there were several in whom he had no interest. One woman, profile name... Motorcycle Mama, age 48 from Mississippi, said she was seeking a fun-loving man who liked to go camping on motorcycles. The note she left read, "What kind of Harley do you own?" Immediately, Dr. Wingate deleted Motorcycle Mama from his list. There were several others he dismissed quickly. There was Cute Realtor, a 46-year-old recently widowed real estate broker, Me and My Guitar, a 48-year-old aspiring folk singer, and Daffy Daphne, a 42-year-old dark-haired woman with a sinister look who said she believed she was Imogene Coca in another life. Finally, after more than an hour, Dr. Wingate had trimmed the list down to four candidates that he deemed suitable. They were Classy Lady, a retired businesswoman, who said she was seeking a wealthy man to travel the world with her. Next came Miss Fitness, a yoga instructor and health enthusiast who said she'd like to eat raw eggs and run two miles every morning before breakfast. Dr. Wingate laughed. Next on the list was Ready to Start Over, a 47-year-old woman with a pretty face and sad eyes from South Carolina who said she'd been recently widowed. Finally, the last candidate was Lonely Magnolia, a 42-year-old secretary from Savannah, Georgia, who said she was divorced and looking for new friends. Dr. Wingate immediately deleted Miss Fitness. There was no way he was going to get up and run two miles every morning before breakfast. Then he turned his attention to Ready to Start Over. As he scrolled through her More Photos section he started to feel a certain uneasiness. In two of the photos, she seemed downright depressed. Somehow, as she peered into the sadness in her eyes, he could sense an indescribably deep loneliness and despair. He deleted her from the list. Next, he left an email with Classy Lady, asking her about places she had traveled, what books she liked to read, favorite movies, and her childhood. Then he reread Lonely Magnolia's profile. Friends, first, I am an honest, good hearted woman seeking an honest, good hearted man, the profile stated. I am a simple person who likes home life, cooking, reading, watching television, and flower gardening. The tone seemed vague and evasive, so he clicked on the More Photos button for a better look. There he found several more photos. There was one in a bathing suit, which for a forty-two-year-old woman was not bad. There was another in formal wear, and still another in which, wearing a broad-brimmed white hat and gloves, she was down on her knees planting a bed of zinnias. As he scrolled through more photos, one in particular caught his eye. It was a photo of her standing among the branches of a young, newly flowered magnolia tree. Once he enlarged the shot to full screen, he could now see her facial features up close. She had deep blue eyes, thin lips, and a very faint come-hither smile. He couldn't put his finger on it, but her smile was almost a pout. It was an expression somewhere between disappointment and quiet joy. Somehow, as he peered at her smiling face, perfectly framed by the soft pink magnolia blossoms, he was taken in by the quaint charm of the image. Nice, he thought. Very nice. I'm going to have to dig deeper. Moments later, he was typing an instant message to Lonely Magnolia, explaining he had read her profile, liked it, and wanted to chat first however he asked that she read his profile to determine if she had an interest in him finally satisfied he was making headway in his pursuit of a new woman for his life he shut down the computer that afternoon he went to the beach alone that night he had dinner with his daughter when he returned home later that night he had an email from Classy Lady and Lonely Magnolia. Instantly he opened Lonely Magnolia's email. Good evening. I am happy that you have shown an interest in me. Upon reading your profile, you seem like a very intelligent, interesting man. This afternoon I am going to a Daughters of the Confederacy meeting, and tonight I plan on playing bridge with some friends. "'Tomorrow night, however, I'll be on the Southern Singles' website around seven, "'and if you are available, I would be very happy to chat with you. "'Looking forward to meeting you. "'Thanks for the interest. "'Lonely Magnolia.'" Dr. Wingate smiled. There was an innate warmth and cordiality to the message. He liked her easy felicity with words— that was a mark of intelligence. He would make it a point to be online tomorrow night at seven. Moments later, he deleted the email from Classy Lady without having read it. He had no further interest. Shortly before seven the following night, Dr. Wingate logged into his Southern Singles account. Moments later, he opened a chat window with Lonely Magnolia it was 658 and then their first online chat began good evening good evening how are you fine and you i'm fine i'm pleased to meet you here you say you're 56 yes is that your true age yes is that too old No. Age is just a number to me. I judge people by what's in their heart, not by their age. Lots of men on this website lie about their age. And you live in Florida? Yes, near Daytona Beach. That's nice. I've never spent any time in Daytona, but I've passed through there a few times. It seemed like a lovely place. I've heard the beaches are very nice. Oh, yes, some of the most beautiful white sand beaches in the world. Long pause. I'd like to make one thing clear from the start. I want us to be friends first, friends before we talk on the telephone or meet. I really don't want to jump into anything. That's okay, I understand. If the relationship grows and we decide to meet face-to-face, then I'll give you my phone number and we'll see how it goes. That's fine. How long do you want to give it? Three months. That's plenty of time to see if we're a good match or not. I'll agree to that. Long pause. Do you have a camera? If you had a camera, we could see one another as we chat. No, I don't have a camera. Even if I had one, I wouldn't know how to connect it up. All that stuff is so complicated and expensive. I can't afford it. Long pause. Dr. Wingate didn't want to ruffle any feathers. Yes, I understand. So, you're a computer expert? You have your own company? Yes. I'm the owner and founder of Wingate Solutions. Over the next hour, they chatted. Her real name was Sadie Collins. She was a secretary at an insurance company in Savannah and had grown up on a farm just outside Waycross. Divorced for two years, she had no children and was looking to be married again. From the information she had provided... He gathered, she led a quiet suburban life in the old district of Savannah, working, tending her flowers, reading, and playing bridge with friends. As he reviewed their initial conversation, he felt she was a little standoffish, but that was to be expected. Like her, he didn't want to rush into a relationship. Actually, he would have been very skittish if she had thrown herself at him. He was afraid of women who were too aggressive. All in all, he was happy with the start. When he shut down his computer that night, he made a note on his personal calendar. It read, March 3, Met Sadie. In many ways, Dr. Wingate had not had a lot of experience with women. As a child, he had not been close to his mother. With a husband and five children to care for, His mother was always busy working on the farm. During his teenage years, he did have a close relationship with his older sister Alma for a while, but after she married at age 16, it ended abruptly. When he finished college, he had met Marjorie on a double date. After only four months, he proposed, and they were married two weeks later. During those days, The primary focus of his life was computers and women and family matters took a back seat to his professional life. If truth be told, he had rushed into marriage with his wife Marjorie, but after Becky was born, he knew there was no turning back. Until now, he had never had the time or taken the time to develop a close relationship with a woman. Now he had the time. Dr. Wingate didn't want to appear overly anxious to speak with Sadie again, so he waited a day. Two nights later, when he logged in and opened a chat window, he didn't have to wait long. They began their online conversation. Carl, how are you? Fine. And you? Feel good tonight. What did you do today? This morning, I attended to my tomatoes. They're doing so well. You know, here in Florida, if you put anything in the ground, it will grow. This afternoon, I went to the beach and read one of my colleagues' white papers on super-algorithms. Super what? Algorithms. Algorithms are a set of self-contained actions which must be performed to achieve certain tasks in computer programming. Algorithms perform calculation for data processing, and automated reasoning tasks. It's all very complicated. Long pause. Phew! All of that is way over my head. Let me ask you a question. Why would a man as complicated as you be attracted to a simple woman like me? I mean, I'm not really simple. I've been to college and I traveled the world when I was married. But I'm not nearly as educated or intelligent as you. I don't have anywhere near the kind of intelligence you have. To be perfectly honest, I'm at a point in my life where I need simplicity. I have fought the world for financial and professional success long enough. I'm ready to take it easy for a while and do simple, uncomplicated things. Long pause. That's a good answer. A very good answer. Over the next hour, they chatted about their childhoods growing up on a farm. She recalled how her mother would send her to the garden to cut a mess of okra, and how the little whiskers on the okra would sting her fingers. He explained that every September, when it was time to pick corn, the little whiskers on the corn shucks would cause him to itch and... He would be scratching his arms for days after picking corn. They discussed milking cows, planting watermelons, and hauling hay. My life on the farm was so long ago that now it's like a dream. I wouldn't trade anything in this world for having grown up on a farm. But now that it's ended, I wouldn't go back. Too much hard work. Yes, my feeling exactly. What kind of food do you like? As southern as you can get. Fried chicken, green beans, mashed potatoes, and gravy with biscuits. What's the old saying? You could take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. Long pause. Do you like to cook? I'm an excellent cook. I learned to cook with my mother. I make a great pot of Hopping John with sweet cornbread. Years ago, my mother taught me how to overcook the black-eyed peas so the pods break apart and the hopping john is soupy. I like to eat it with fresh scallions and Texas hot sauce. Dr. Wingate could feel his mouth watering. My God, I think I love you. <laughs> oh, when we start dating, I'll have you over one night for a batch. Suddenly Dr. Wingate's mind flashed on a scene in which he was seated at a beautifully appointed southern table with Sadie seated across from him. He was unfolding his napkin, preparing to dig into an old-fashioned southern meal of Hopping John and sweet cornbread. In his mind's eye, he slowly stirred the soupy concoction with a spoon— then delicately selected the correct combination of black-eyed peas and bits of bacon and onions to create the perfect bite. Then, as he began chewing, he followed the initial spoonful with a bite of sweet cornbread. For a long moment, he savored the delicate flavor as the taste sensations rolled across his palate. He felt like he had gone to heaven. My! My, you are such a talented person. I'm surprised some man hasn't snapped you up as a wife before now. I'm in no hurry to get married again. I've had some offers, but like I told you, I want to take it slow and easy before I jump into marriage again. And that was the first two chapters of, I think, a very good book called Lonely Magnolia. And of course, that is by John Isaac Jones. And that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Tom Reads Your Story. We will listen to chapters three, four, and five of Lonely Magnolia next week. Portions were pre-recorded. Tell your friends if you enjoyed your visit today because we're always looking for new ones. Thanks, Anchor.fm. I greatly appreciate this opportunity. Until next time, take care, everyone. This is Tom Zania. For more information on my availability for your e-learning, commercial, or audiobook project, visit my website at www.tomzvoices.weebly.com. We hope you visit us again real soon for another episode of Tom Reads Your Story.